welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs. Yes, but that's us maybe. Um, no Joe Smith with me, um, but I do have someone else with me. Hello. Hello. Yes, that's Ben, my six-year-old son. Uh, ben, uh, you're all right about being on the Big Finish podcast? That's fine. Good. Okay, well, um, for the uninitiated, just in case you haven't heard of Big Finish, we are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audio books, including such things as Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake Seven. Can you think of anything, Ben? Um, Gmod? <laughs> Not Gmod, no. Uh, the Prisoner, Dark Shadows, The Omega Factor, Survivors, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, uh, Countermeasures... Uh, night of the triffids there's no one here to remind me it's stuff lots of great stuff coming up in this podcast it's mainly me but with um, perhaps some interruptions from ben have you anything to add at this stage ben That's him shooting the microphone with his fingers. Yes, my son isn't actually armed. You'll be pleased to hear. Uh, coming up in a moment, the Big Finish news headlines, read by me, reacted to by Ben. Following that, listeners' emails read by me, answered by me, with perhaps some input from Ben, I don't know. And then we have two interviews. One of them is, you've guessed it, with Ben Briggs, but the other, perhaps arguably more importantly, is with John Barrowman, the star of Torchwood. And he's talking to Scott Hancock, the director of Torchwood, or the main director of Torchwood, um, in typical, outrageous John Barrowman fashion. OK, Ben, all right so far? Thank you, thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone's impressed with my parenting skills. So here is the news. Cunic. This is an exclusive. The Third Doctor Adventures Volumes 2 and 3 will be available to pre-order this week. Released in November 2016 and July 2017, both of these new volumes contain two new four-part stories starring Tim Trelaw as the third Doctor, giving us a lovely flavour of John Pertwee, and Katie Malling as Joe Grant. I think I said Malling, but I meant Manning. Volume 2 includes The Transcendence of Ephros by Guy Adams, set on a dying planet exploited by Galactus Power Incorporated, and The Hidden Realm by... What are you looking at, Ben? The Hidden Realm by David Llewellyn, where a search for a missing family member of Joe's leads to a new town and an alien trader profiting from de a deadly line in fashion. I'm reading this just as well as Joe would. The pre-orders for this will be up later this week. That's later than today, the 30th of May. The next item has been entitled Scripts and That. We're pleased to announce that PDF scripts for Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor Adventures, are now available to all those who have purchased through the Big Finish website. Why not download today? Why not, Ben? Why not download today? Download it! Yeah, thank you. Uh, scripts will also be available with Doctor Who, the Companion Chronicles, the second Doctor, Volume 1. And here's the trailer. Oh, 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 thank goodness. Uh, oh, it's you. I, I thought for a moment it was... Uh, um, 
must just sit down, down for a moment. I, I, I'm glad I, I met you, as a matter of fact. Um, there's something I, I want to tell you. Uh, when we start out on our next adventures, uh, uh, Jamie, uh, Polly, Ben, um, Victoria, Zoe and I, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we visit new places. Uh, we also meet some new enemies. Uh, there's the evil Provost Curtis, uh, ruling a place called the Edge. Uh, there's the monstrous Integral. And there are horrible figures waiting for a, a special train in 1920. It's all just a little bit more frightening than last time. So <clears throat> I, I want to warn you that if your, your mummy or, or daddy are scared, you, you just get them to hold your hand. Oh, here we go again. Uh, i better go. See you soon. <laughs> I hope. Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Second Doctor, Volume 1, coming June 2016. Ding, 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 What tune is that? Is it? Oh, well, okay. Recent releases, Gallifrey, Enemy Lines. The Universe is shaped by the decisions that we make, each and every one of us. What then might happen if an entire reality is denied? The Celestial Intervention Agency has investigated the causes of the current conflict. Conflict? What conflict? And concluded that these events began with Agent Ace's participation in the Omega plot. The ripples spread out from that single choice becoming waves that soon will crash upon the distant shore. Pathfinder Legends, Mummy's Mask, Pyramids of the Sky Pharaoh, Dracula, plus a new listener's title, and the listeners are uh, discounted titles um, that we uh, encourage you to have a listen to and have a trip back down memory lane, and also there'll be an article about it in the latest Vortex, our free online and physically published magazine. Vortex, remember that name. If you haven't uh, looked on the homepage of the site, you'll see it at the bottom in the middle. Vortex, just click and download it. Also, if you order physical CDs from us, uh, you'll get uh, you'll probably get your CD wrapped in a copy of Vortex. Anyway, the listener's title is uh, Dark Shadows, The Creeping Fog, written by Simon Guerrier and starring Matthew Waterhouse. That's the news! And before we dip into listeners' emails, uh, just a quick word from Ben. Ben, how's it going down there? Um, fine. Yep. Yeah, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do the interview with you later, all right? You okay there? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 um, I, don't, I can just lean on this. Okay. We are in a funny little corner <laughs> upstairs in my attic pillow. bedroom. What? Or I could get the pillow. I don't, I don't think you need to get the pillow. No sleeping on the job. <laughs> anyway, just before we have listeners' emails, time to remind you that after the main interviews, we'll be randomly selecting a big finish release from the archive to chat about, or rather, I'll chat about it, and Ben might make some funny noises. Got any funny mo- noises? That, that, that was quite funny. This from Justin Webb. 
Hello, all hail Big Finish, you clever peeps, you. I've listened to so many great stories lately. I'm particularly loving The War Doctor. The first two box sets, in my opinion, are amongst the best of Big Finish's entire catalogue. Also loving The Prisoner. Dare I say it, it's better than the TV series. Gasp, truly stunning. I, I do think you dare say that. I think we'll get into trouble. In the future, I'm really looking forward to your adaptation of Dracula. Well, that's out now. And I'm just about to dive into the whole Survivor's range now that I've watched the 70s show. It is brilliant, isn't it? Especially the opening episodes of the, the original 70s show. Uh, I've just finished work on doing the music for the fourth series of Survivor's, so it's very much in my mind. Amongst my favourite ranges, continues Justin, is Sherlock Holmes. Oh, thank you, Joe, for selecting this email. I love the format of the box sets, the way the stories weave in and out of the canon, and the interlinking of the stories. I'm so looking forward to The Sacrifice of Sherlock Holmes, yes, which is coming out later this year in October, I believe. My only dilemma is whether I store it away until Christmas, Holmes for the holidays, or devour instantly. I can't advise Justin just you know it's up to you as long as you buy it i'm perfectly happy i love the pairing of messrs briggs and earl that's richard earl who plays dr watson their voices really bring to life the dancing pageant illustrations of my imagination what a beautiful phrase justin my question is what are the plans for the future of this range more box sets any more adaptations like the tangled skein holmes and the ripper and what are the short stories i'm sure nick said some time ago that there would be further readings in my humble opinion, The Sign of Four is long overdue. Or how about an adaptation of David Stuart Davis's The Scroll of the Dead? A stunning tale. I haven't read it, but I bet it is, because David not only is a lovely person, but a brilliant writer. I suppose what I'm really saying is, more, please! Oh, Justin, yes, there's much more to do with Holmes. If only I could find the time to do it. I will, I promise, I will. Thank you for that, Justin. Next email from Paul. No surname. It's a secret. Hello, everyone. I'm not sure if I'm using the correct email address. You are. But as the question was put during a podcast, I'm going to reply to the podcast address. Only sensible, Paul. I would just like to say that I'm definitely in favour of finding suitable voice artists to play Roger Delgado's master and the brigadier, assuming that their surviving relatives and the actors involved in any production, Katie Manning, for example, are OK with the recasting. Well, Katie was very OK with Tim Trelaws, the third doctor. So, hmm, well, we've made no decisions on this yet. Uh, the voice does not need to be absolutely spot on. They are all actors, after all, not impersonators. What would be more important to me is that they capture the spirit of the original performances in much the same way that Mark Elstob has made number six his own while still capturing the spirit of McGowan's performance. That, in case you haven't got the hint, is referring to the Big Finish Prisoner Relief. You still awake, then? Yeah. Good. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> He's just doing the prisoner theme again. On the subject of the prisoner, how about casting David Warner as number two? Oh, yeah, be rude not to. I, I probably will do that at some point. Best wishes to you all, Paul. Next email, Mary Smith Z. Was it Smith's? I don't know. And I don't know where you're from, Mary, but I think you're probably from outside England. I don't know. Anyway, here we go. Hello, Mr. Briggs and Mr. Smith. That's referring to Joe Smith. Who's not here? Just a moment's silence for Joe Smith, who's perfectly fine. I don't know why we're having a moment's silence. First of all, thank you very much for your work and for bringing us such great audio plays. It had been three years since I've become a listener of Big Finish, and actually I'm a bit jealous of people who were with you from the beginning to the now prosper days. 
That's an interesting phrase. I like that. The now prosper days. It is amazing how your work kept going to continue the spirit of your favourite show. Your work through all those years is a good example for me. A good story about a dream come true. I want to ask you if you could tell your listeners a story of Big Finish from beginning to nowadays as an audio documentary, for example. I'd love to listen to something like this. And Mr Briggs, could you tell in this podcast a story or two about your work on your favourite releases? Well, I'll leave that to the randomly selected release from the Big Finish archive. As for the story of Big Finish, there's a documentary with our 50th anniversary release, the Doctor Who release, 50th anniversary, that is. Not my 50th anniversary. That was well over four years ago now. Um, (laughs) The light at the end. If If you have a listen to that, there is a documentary all about Big Finish on it. Mary goes on. My second question is about my favourite companion, Charlotte Pollard. Oh, I know what's coming here. Actually, I'm worried about the future of her box set. I think she's referring to the second series, which I'm just finishing the scripts off now. Why did you change the release date twice? Do you have plans for a third box set? I hope so. And I wonder if Charlie still has a future in Big Finish. Is there any chance for her last meeting with the Eighth Doctor? We are hoping to record Charlotte Pollard Series 2 this summer, but it's all down to, first of all, me finishing the script, which will take a matter of moments, I'm sure, and the availability of the actors, because uh, India Fisher, James Joyce and Michael Maloney all need to be available. Maybe I'll have to recast one of them. Also, I want to congratulate you, says Mary, with nominations in the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers Scribe Awards. Thank you so much for your answers. Well, I hope I've given you some nice answers there. Yours sincerely, says Mary. Thank you. Right, that's the last of the emails. And now, time for an interview with Ben Briggs. Hello, Ben. Hello. Could you tell me what you know about Big Finish? Um... Not really anything, but I think it makes things like um, The Prisoner. Oh, yes. Very good. You you were listening. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I really know about it. Doctor Who? Yeah. Have you ever heard a Big Finish audio play? Have I ever played you one? No, not really. Oh, wait, did you do it downstairs once? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was that. Oh, I don't know, because they what didn't... Were the, what were the monsters in it? The Cybermen. Oh, right, yeah, I remember now. And uh, But you're, the trouble is, you're a little bit off Doctor Who at the moment, aren't you? Because it's not even out. It's not on the television. Hmm. You're not very happy about that. I'm not very happy about that. Will you be happy when it's back on television? Yes. So in the meantime, you're not watching or listening to any Doctor Who while it's not on the television? Yes. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? I suppose it is. Now, since you don't listen to uh, uh, Big Finish audios, I normally ask people what they have enjoyed listening to recently with Big Finish, but you haven't heard any, so I'll skip that question. But I will ask you this one. I ask people, what's tingling their molecules at the moment in terms of what they're watching on telly or anything they've seen you know what what's entertaining you most at the moment um, 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 
Um, I have three things. One's mm. a computer game. Gmod. Gmod. Yeah. Zig and Zag. <laughs> the television program. Yeah. I remember Zig and Zag. <laughs> <laughs> and they used to be on a program called The Big Breakfast. Oh, well, they were puppets. I remember another one. Mm. Danger Mouse and um, the Amazing Spider-Man two and three. Of those films, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen three. I've seen. I think I've seen Amazing Spider-Man two with you, but you've got into all those superhero movies, haven't you? Yeah. What were we watching the other day? Iron Man. Yeah. Two. Iron Man two. Yes, which I'd never seen. Yep. Um. The thing about Danger Man, I'll tell you my view on Danger Man. I think the remake of it is one of the best remakes ever, actually, of anything. Because you've seen the originals as well, haven't you? Even though I've forgotten what you're even talking about. <laughs> because I thought you meant Danger Mouse. Did I say Jan Danger Man? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad someone's paying attention, and that's you. <laughs> yes, Danger Mouse. Yeah. I love it. Thank I you. do too. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Dun 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 Um I was supposed to be the prisoner again. Oh right. Can you do any any of the lines from um Danger Mouse? Um Come on, Penfold. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> Can you do an impersonation of... Um... Oh, Penfold, I know another one. Ah! <laughs> Very good. And who is um, the uh, Baron von Greenback? Yeah, can you do his voice? <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, OK, I, I said... can't do Stiletto. Can't you? Si, Barone. I can't do that. <laughs> Good grief, Penfold. Core chief! I'm just messing around now. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I sense you want to go downstairs and play on the Xbox, is that true? No. Oh, OK. Or Gmod? Um, no. OK, you just want to stay here, do you? Mm-hmm. OK, well, thanks, Ben. This has been a fascinating interview. <laughs> if only people could see your face. They can't. That's just a microphone. He's now staring at the microphone. OK, time now for um, possibly a noisier interview uh, with John Barrowman, Captain Jack. Hello and welcome to this very special Big Finish podcast. I am joined this afternoon by... John Barrowman. So, so this is day five of seven. We've been doing a lot of recording this week. We have. Um... Do you want to say what we've been doing? We've been doing... Oh, we've been doing all sorts of different... I mean, you're asking me to condense it all into one little second. We spent three days in Cardiff. Yeah, three days in Cardiff. We have now... We're in our third day in London. Is second. That right? Second yeah. day. See, I'm, I'm totally... It feels longer. I, it's a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey for me at the moment. Um, I am completely... Yeah, we're, we're in the studios in... North Acton, Acton. yeah. Yes, and um, yeah, we're here. So, But what's really nice, uh, these scripts, it's... Um, 
you know, the in between. It's things that are happening that we didn't know were happening, or but that like the kind of fans in their way try to create the stuff that's happening, but we're actually doing it. We're that's showing, it. We're, we're telling you what's happened. We've been plugging a few gaps in uh, Captain Jack, and Jack and his always loves and... to plug some gaps. <laughs> that's fine. And also, we've got um, uh, what else is there? The one thing that is nice, we were just discussing it. In fact, mm. is the fact that. There's things in some of in in these scripts that Jack uh, doesn't know yet, but the audience knows. So you guys who are going to listen to them, you're going to be a step ahead of Jack, which is kind of cool. And uh, yesterday, of course, we reunited you with the bonkers oh, Camille. Camille was awesome. It was great. And I, you know what was really nice is is the one thing with these kind of things. I you know we never got to have these types of episodes, mm. which seems a shame. Because uh, when we were doing it, it would have been nice because it would have given s- some actors a break mm. if we'd have gone off and done these little one-off episodes with uh, other actors. So we never really got to play things together. But as you probably will find out in the chemistry between Jackie and Jack, the <laughs> J&J, um, <laughs> I'll have a J&J, please, with soda. Uh, it's um, The chemistry's really good. Mm. And there's a good banter because they're, they're both... What, that's what I like about the character of Jackie. Although she comes across as being a ditz, she's really not. And of course, uh, we spent three days up in Cardiff. We did. Uh, doing across torture. in Cardiff. Yeah, oh, because yes, we're course, in London, yeah, yeah. so it's across, it's not up. It is. How was that being... <gasps> Good God. And he, th- and he, and he, he you know, <laughs> come on, geography. Five days. So we were across in Cardiff, yes. And uh, yeah, our first full cast, full team tortured. Correct. Uh, between Series 2 and Children of Earth. That's you and right. Gareth back together. Yes, back together caused a bit of an... Uh, an like a well not a meltdown on the internet but a big buzz on the internet mm. in fact i think it trended at one point oh lovely yeah very nice I think it, and it and trended right trended too. in the states too I, th- I think don't if you go quote and go it didn't trend you're just making it up no i don't know <laughs> i'm just guessing because it was big and how was it working with him again after six seven years yeah again but again with gareth it's like when Gareth and Eve and myself, or when we do, you know, if we go somewhere and we're with Byrne and Naoko, when we all get together, it's like the family getting back together. Because we always said this, and I, you know, I made this kind of speech. I talked to them when we found out that uh, Owen and Toshiko were dying. It was sad for all of us. And I said to them, because you guys are the beginning, you guys are the family. You, No matter where you are, what you're doing in the world, you will always be part of Torchwood. Mm. And so when we all get together, it's like, you know, the family getting back for a, a Thanksgiving dinner because we have too much to drink. Then we have an argument <laughs> and then you end up kissing each other before you go to bed at night to make up. Has it been different? Has it been a different experience for you being here with us and with the other actors as opposed to performing down the line it's and always, reacting. It's always better to have someone else in front of you when you're doing it. That's the the good thing. But um, it's all. I have to be honest with you. I just find Captain Jack incredibly, no pun intended, incredibly easy to slip into. That's the 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 beauty of the writing. That's the beauty of of the creation of Captain Jack because he's such a good character and also. I say he's a character. Jack is very, is, you, know, you guys know me as John, too. And I'm a lot, there's a little bit of John and Jack and Jack an and John. Yeah, yeah. So there's an overlap. And that's the thing that made these, I've said this before, that's the thing that made these characters so wonderful and why the audience love them. Because the people writing them actually started writing our personalities into, and that's, Russell's brilliant with that. He did it with every single one of the characters on Doctor Who. Every single one of the characters on Torchwood and all the other writers who were involved put the personality into the, the character because that's what you connect with. 
And it all sounds absolutely brilliant. And hopefully, uh, we'll be doing Big Finish Review for a great many years to come. Hopefully, we will. And if we do, I'm buying a stake in the company. <laughs> we'll mention that to Jason. There you go. The producer. There we go. Um, <laughs> lovely. Any last words before we leave, John? No, just really, these are some exciting uh, recordings that we're doing. Some really, really wonderful stories. And if you love uh, Doctor Who... If you love Captain Jack, if you love Torchwood, if you love any of the other characters, you got to listen to these. you got to get them because you will be thrilled. Lovely. John Barron, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. <laughs> now shut up and get out. And thank you very much to John and, of course, Scott Hancock for conducting that interview, which was lots of fun. And there may be just a smidgen of a hint of something to do with Captain Jack at the very end of this podcast. That's really creepy. (laughs) Time now to randomly select a big finish release from the archive. Ben's doing a little jig to that. So if I just whiz this along... Point to one and tell me. Um. Oh, right, okay. Ben's pointed to uh, Dalek Empire 3, The Exterminators, which, funnily enough, is the third series of Dalek Empire. Um, yeah. Um, I only chose it because, because I thought it might have your voice in it because it says Dalek. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's also got, can you see whose name's that? Um, do you mean the two words? Yeah. David Tennant. Oh, Tennant. David Tennant, yes. Also, uh, William Gaunt uh, and Sarah Mowat. Oh, loads of people. And uh, the Dalek Empire series was a series which didn't feature the Doctor. Probably you know about it, but this is uh, a six-part series. And the thing I remember about it is that... uh, He's just pointing to my name. Yes, Nicholas Briggs. The Daleks. Right here? (laughs) The thing I remember about it um, is that I wrote it with David Tennant in mind because I chatted to him at a party. I think it was Mark Gatiss's birthday party. I want to say his 40th, but I think actually it was slightly younger than that. And um, it was a very starry party. You know, um, uh, Stephen Fry was standing close by during this conversation, uh, not overhearing. He had far more interesting things to listen to. But David said, you know, I'd love to. Uh, I've already done some big finish, but I'd love to come and do one with you, Nick. Uh, what about Dalek Empire, for example? And um, so I wrote this and um, I kind of had him at the back of my mind to play the lead part, Galinar. Uh, who's a sort of strange being. can't really describe him without giving too much away. And uh, when I finally finished it, I phoned David up and uh, he said, oh, I'm busy at the National Theatre at the moment. And I said, oh, right. He was doing a play called The Pillow Man, a very scary, shocking play. And, uh, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, no, you wouldn't like it. It would really scare you, actually. But it was very good. So it'd be like a horror movie? A little bit, yeah. And I said, oh, well, uh, maybe we could fit it in during the day. He said, the trouble is they want me to do another play. Uh, He said, but I don't really want to do it. I'd rather come and play Daleks with you. (laughs) So he eventually uh, turned down this other play, which was The History Boys by Alan Bennett. There you go. And um, 
I said, can I tell people you turned down Alan Bennett to work with me? He said, well, it's not strictly true. He said, but yeah, let's say that. Bless him. Anyway, here's uh, a clip of uh, stuff going on in Dalek Empire 3 and also David Tennant speaking about it. Galinar, he's, um, he's a sort of special agent. David Tennant. I, I have the best time ever. While I was writing it, more and more I thought of David doing it. I remembered, for, again, from when I was a kid, um, the, the Dalek annuals. And I think I was thinking they were sort of going to be like them, sort of. And, and they kind of are, in a way. I think they're slightly more sophisticated. <laughs> but um, they are, you know, they're kind of human galactic agencies kind of battling against these, uh, these sort of Nazi-like forces. So I suppose that's what I was expecting, and that kind of what, is what they are. But Nick writes these very involved and complex kind of political situations, which is great, but it, it's a real space opera. So I can, it sort of was what I was expecting, I think, but, but much more involved and complex and, uh, and exciting than that. I wanted to know the truth. We think there were three of them. Three of what? Demons. They are transmitting false recognition code information. Calendar! Let's go! There you are, Dalek Empire 3. A slightly awkward self-conscious recommendation by me, but um, it's six parts and it is available on the site as a CD or download. Why not give it a go? And if you go to the trailer section on the product page, you can uh, listen to a special feature on Dalek Empire 3 featuring cast interviews, including David Tennant. Ben, what is it you want? I'm just asking, yes. did you actually just leave a space for, it, for the music or is the music in the background? The music's going to be dubbed on later, mate. Oh. It's just I thought you could play on there. Well, I could press that button there, yeah, but that's that's not the music um, we're going to use in this. Oh, OK. But that was a very intelligent question. <laughs> He's looking very pleased with himself. Right. Just a reminder that coming up at the end of this podcast is the ninth instalment of our serialisation of Sherlock Holmes uh, featuring me and Richard Earle, uh, who plays Dr Watson. I did at the beginning of this serialisation say it was a nine-part serialisation, but I'm now not sure. <laughs> I think it may go on longer. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I know, it's very dramatic. Um, yeah, so sorry about that. Um, and then that'll be followed by um, One Small Step, which is uh, Doctor Who Short Trips, featuring the second Doctor. It was written by me for a Short Trips book collection a long time ago, and I recorded it quite a while back, and people are lamenting the disappearance of it as a podcast. So that will be, uh, if not in the next podcast, it will certainly be in... Uh, one, one coming up. Oh, Jamie Anderson has uh, just sent me a message. Now then, I, I refuse to read it out. It's not fit for publication. So just before we talk more about what's coming up in the next podcast, here are the latest releases. Torchwood Moving Target by Guy Adams. Starring Indira Varma as Susie Costello, trapped in a time-locked Cardiff and on the run from alien hunters. Ba -da -bam -bam. Survivors, Series 4, 
a new series of four full cast plays set within season two of the classic Terry Nation series. I can highly, highly recommend it. Starring Ian McCulloch, Lucy Fleming, Fiona Sheehan, Louise Jameson, and introducing Ramon Tickerham as Theo and Zoe Tapper as Evelyn Piper. An interesting factoid is, of course, that Zoe Tapper was in the remake of Survivors, which was shown on uh, BBC One and lasted for two series. And here is a little taster of part one of Survivors, series four. Sir, this is everybody, Lieutenant. Are we ready to go? Yes, sir. This way, please. Worst of the journey's over. Once we get in the air, it should be plain sailing. Get down! Who the hell is that? Seems we're not the only ones who want to leave. Cover in fire! Yes, sir! To the helicopter, now! This way, sir. That's it. Climb in. Seatbelts on. Damn it, blast. Here, let me help. Can't you get this blasted thing in the air? That's it. Let's get out of here. Bloody teeth. Why would people want to shoot us? Desperate times, Miss Piper. Look! Down there! Good Lord! It's like the city's on fire. And good riddance to them. Bloody animals! So that's it for the latest releases. As I said, coming up in the next podcast, there'll probably be part Ten of Sherlock Holmes, Holmes and the Ripper. Let's see how much of it is left. That, that'll make an exciting end to this podcast. As for who the interview's with, well, I'm about to jet off to Atlanta. I'm going to America, Ben. Did you know that? Yes. Uh, I think you are going to tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to London tomorrow. Yeah, and then you're going to America. That's right, yeah. The next day? Yes, on Thursday. And there'll be lots of people there. And I, I promised last time I went to a convention that I'd get an interview with people. You know, I, it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff to do at conventions. And I hope I will take my digital recorder and I hope I'll manage to get an interview with someone. You know, maybe Paul McCann or Terry Malloy. I mustn't overpromise. Uh, they'll be. Yeah, sorry. I'll give you a piece of paper to remember. OK, thank you. Well, will you write a m- reminder on it? Mm-hmm. Thanks, mate. Okay, so that's it for this podcast. So it's a big goodbye from Ben. Goodbye! That was a big goodbye. And a big goodbye from me too. Sherlock Holmes has taken on the case of the Hound of the Baskervilles. He's assigned Dr Watson to accompany Henry Baskerville to Dartmoor and Baskerville Hall, where Henry's uncle, Charles Baskerville, is rumoured to have been killed by a spectral hound. Watson has found many suspects in Dartmoor. He has also discovered that the Baskerville's manservant, Barrymore, has been signalling to an escaped convict, Selden, on the moor. But there have been reports of another stranger on the Grimpen Mire, and Watson is determined to find out who it is.
examine the stone huts on the hillside, for there was surely evidence to be had from the dwelling of this other man. When I reached Coombe Tracy, I had no difficulty in finding Mrs. Laura Lyons' rooms, which were central and well-appointed. A maid showed me in without ceremony, and I entered the sitting room to find a lady sitting before a Remington typewriter. May I inquire the nature of your visit, sir? It was about the late Sir Charles Baskerville that I have come here to see you. I owe a great deal to his kindness, but I fail to see how this can be any business of yours. Forgive me. The object of my visit is to avoid a public scandal. It is better that I should ask you questions here than that the matter should pass outside our control. I see. What are your questions? You wrote a letter to Sir Charles. I can quote a passage. Please, please, as you are a gentleman, burn this letter and be at the gate by ten o'clock. I wished him to help me. I believed that if I had an interview, I could gain his help, so I asked him to meet me. But why at such an hour? Because I had only just learned that he was going to London the next day. And what happened when you did get there? I never went. Something intervened to prevent my going. You made an appointment with Sir Charles at the very hour and place of his death, but you deny that you kept the appointment? If you have heard anything of my unhappy history, you will know that I made a rash marriage and had reason to regret it. I had learned that there was a prospect of my regaining my freedom if certain expenses could be met. I knew of Sir Charles' generosity, and I thought that if he heard the story from my own lips, he would help me. Then how is it that you did not go? Because I received help in the interval from another source. I would have written to Sir Charles to explain this had I not seen his death in the paper the next morning. The woman's story hung coherently together and all further questions were unable to shake it. The probability was, therefore, that she was telling the truth, or, at least, a part of the truth. As I drove back, I noted how hill after hill showed traces of the ancient people. Many hundreds of these abandoned huts were scattered throughout the length and breadth of the moor. I determined that I should explore every hut upon the moor until I lighted upon the right one. Luck had been against us again and again in this inquiry, but now, at last, it came to my aid. And the messenger of good fortune was none other than Mr. Franklin. He was standing, grey-whiskered and red-faced, outside the gate of his garden, which opened onto the high road along which I travelled. Good day, Dr. Watson. You must really give your horses a rest and come in to have a glass of wine and to congratulate me. I was anxious to send Perkins and the wagonette home and the opportunity was a good one. I alighted and sent a message to Sir Henry that I should walk over in time for dinner. Then I followed Franklin into his dining room. It is a great day for me, sir. One of the red-letter days of my life. I have brought off a double event. I have established a right of way through the centre of old Middleton's Park and I've closed the wood where the fun where they folk used to picnic. <laughs> These infernal people seem to think that there are no rights of property and they can swarm where they like with their papers and their bottles. Both cases decided, Dr. Watson, and both in my favour. Ah, very public-spirited of you. Ha! <laughs> I have no doubt that the fan-worthy people will burn me in effigy tonight. I told the police last time they did it that they should stop these disgraceful exhibitions. 
The county constabulary is a scandalous state, sir, and it has not afforded me the protection to which I am entitled. I told them that they would have occasion to regret their treatment of me, and already my words have come true. How so? Because I could tell them what they are dying to know, but nothing would induce me to help the rascals in any way. That convict on the moor, eh? You know where he is? I do not know exactly, but I am quite sure that I could help the police to lay their hands on him. Uh, please, be forthright with me, Mr. Franklin. Very well. I have seen with my own eyes the messenger who takes him his food. I see a lad every day through my telescope upon the roof. He passes along the same path at the same hour. And to whom should he be going except to the convict? Here was luck indeed. And yet I suppressed all appearance of interest. Barrymore had said that our unknown was supplied by a lad. It was on his track, and not upon the convicts, that Franklin had stumbled. If I could get his knowledge, it might save me a long and weary hunt. Indeed, I have seen the boy again and again with his bundle. Every day, and sometimes twice a day, I have been able... Wait a moment... Do my eyes deceive me, or is there at the present moment something moving upon that hillside? Well, it is several miles off. Yes, I can distinctly see a small dark dot against the dull green and grey. Come, sir, come! You will see with your own eyes and judge for yourself. The telescope, a formidable instrument mounted upon a tripod, stood upon the flat leads of the house. Franklin clapped his eye to it and gave a cry of satisfaction. Quick, Dr. Watson, quick, before he passes over the hill. There he was, sure enough. A small urchin with a little bundle upon his shoulder, toiling slowly up the hill. When he reached the crest, I saw the ragged, uncouth figure outlined for an instant against the cold blue sky. He looked round him with a furtive and stealthy air, as one who dreads pursuit. Then he vanished over the hill. Well, am I right? Certainly. There is a boy who seems to have some secret errand. And what the errand is, even the county constable could guess. But not one word shall they have from me, and I bind you to secrecy also, Dr. Watson. Not a word! You understand? Just as you wish. Hurriedly, I made my excuses and left. Everything was working in my favour, and I swore that it should not be through lack of energy or perseverance that I should miss the chance which fortune had thrown in my way. The sun was already sinking when I reached the summit of the hill, and the long slopes beneath me were all golden green on one side and grey shadow on the other. Down beneath me in a cleft of the hills there was a circle of the old stone huts, and in the middle of them there was one which retained sufficient roof to act as a screen against the weather. This must be the burrow where the stranger lurked. His secret was within my grasp. As I approached the hut, my nerves tingled with the sense of adventure. I closed my hand upon the butt of my revolver, and walking swiftly up to the door, I looked in. It is a lovely evening, my dear Watson. Holmes! Please be careful with the revolver. I never was more glad to see anyone in my life, and I clasped his hand. It did not take us long to catch up on each other's parts played out in this charade. 
Holmes was fascinated to know how I had tracked him down, and guessed at once that Franklin had espied him or the lad he had employed to bring him food. And you have been to Coombe Tracy to see Mrs. Laura Lyons? You know of her? Ah, I had not written... Our researchers have been running on parallel lines, Watson. And when we unite our results, I expect we shall have a fairly full knowledge of the case. But how in the name of wonder did you come here? And what have you been doing? I thought that you were in Baker Street. That is what I wished you to think. Then you use me, and yet do not trust me. I think that I have deserved better at your hands, Holmes. My dear fellow, you have been invaluable to me in this, as in many other cases, and I beg that you will forgive me if I have seemed to play a trick upon you. Had I been with Sir Henry and you, it is confident that my point of view would have been the same as yours, and my presence would have warned our very formidable opponents to be on their guard. As it is, I have been able to get about as I could not possibly have done had I been living in the hall, and I remain an unknown factor in the business, ready to throw in all my weight at a critical moment. And my reports? Have they all been wasted? Here are your reports, my dear fellow. And very well thumbed, I assure you. I made excellent arrangements, and they're only delayed one day upon their way. I received your last only this morning, and I must compliment you exceedingly upon the zeal and the intelligence which you have shown over an extraordinarily difficult case. Now, tell me the result of your visit to Mrs. Laura Lyons. I told Holmes of my conversation with the lady. You are aware, perhaps, that a close intimacy exists between this lady and the man Stapleton? I did not know of a close intimacy. There can be no doubt about the matter. They meet, they write. There is a complete understanding between them. Now this puts a very powerful weapon into our hands. If I could only use it to detach his wife. His wife? The lady who has passed here as Miss Stapleton is in reality his wife. Good heavens, Holmes. Are you sure of what you say? How could he have permitted Sir Henry to fall in love with her? Sir Henry's falling in love could do no harm to anyone except Sir Henry. Stapleton took particular care that Sir Henry did not make love to her, as you yourself have observed. I repeat that the lady is his wife and not his sister. But why this elaborate deception? Because he foresaw that she would be very much more useful to him in the character of a free woman. It is he, then, who is our enemy. It is he who dogged us in London. So I read the riddle. And the warning. It must have come from her. Exactly. He took her to London with him and kept her imprisoned in her room while he, disguised in a beard, followed Dr. Mortimer. His wife had some inkling of his plans, but she had such a fear of her husband that she dare not actually write to warn Sir Henry, so she adopted the expedient of cutting out the words which would form the message and addressing the letter in a disguised hand. But are you sure of this, Holmes? How do you know that the woman is his wife? Because he forgot himself and told you a true piece of autobiography upon the occasion when he first met you. He was once a schoolmaster in the north of England. A little investigation showed me that a school in the region had indeed come to grief under atrocious circumstances. The man, although he had a different name, had disappeared. With his wife, Beryl Garcia, one of the beauties of Costa Rica. If this woman is in truth his wife, where does Mrs. Laura Lyons come in? That is one of the points upon which your own researches have shed a light. I did not know about a projected divorce between herself and her husband. In that case, regarding Stapleton as an unmarried man, she counted no doubt upon becoming his wife. And when she is enlightened as to this fact, 
Why, then we may find the lady of service. We must see her, both of us, tomorrow. Don't you think, Watson, that you've been away from your charge rather long? Your place should be at Baskerville Hall. <coughs> Very well, Holmes. One last question, though. Surely there is no need of secrecy between you and me. What is the meaning of it all? What is he after? It is murder, Watson. Refined, cold-blooded, deliberate murder. My nets are closing upon him, even as his are upon Sir Henry. And with your help, he is already almost at my mercy. There is but one danger which can threaten us. It is that he should strike before we are ready to do so. Another day, two at the most, and I have my case complete. But until then, guard your charge as closely as ever a fond mother watched her ailing child. Oh my God, what is it? Hush, hush! The cry had been loud on account of its vehemence, but it had peeled out from somewhere far off on the shadowy plain. The Hound! Come, Watson, come! Crazy, and I've done some wild things, but you sort out the Pebbles serviettes, Richard. I once worked as a waiter. Oh yeah. On Richworld Alpha, you had to hand tune each piece of cutlery to a separate note every day. Mind that cheese and pineapple hedgehog. And now I'm doing this. What's she like? Who? My daughter. You've met her out there, among the space dragons and metal bots and planet. Quogs. What's she like in space? Oh, well, she's... You got any photos? I'd like to know, but she never shows me anything. No, I do not have photos. It's funny that, because we've all got cameras in our phones now. You lot from space, you must have cameras in your heads. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Are you sure? All you need to know is that... Rose... She is amazing. A tribute to her planet and to her mother. 